0: Amen. All right, well, we're there in Judges chapter number 15. And uh, like we said in the announcements today, we're continuing our series. We started a brand new series last week called Developing People Skills. And we're going to continue that series today. If you remember last week, we looked at the story of Jephthah versus Gideon. And we learned this practical people skill. The first people skill that we learned in the series was let each esteem other better than uh, themselves. Today we're looking at a different story, and I promise you not, not every uh, sermon will be based out of the book of Judges uh, in this series, all right? We'll, we'll be in another book uh, next week. But today I want to teach you another principle, another people's skill uh, by way of a story. Uh, And before we can do that, though, I I feel like I need to set a little bit of the context of the story. We're going to be in chapter 15 for the sermon, but go back to chapter 14 just to get a little bit of the context leading up to the story so you can kind of understand what's going on. We're going to go through the story quickly. I'm sure you're very familiar with it, so we won't spend too much time. But I want you to notice in Judges chapter 14 and verse 1, the Bible says, and Samson went down to Timnath. Now, Timnath is a city of the Philistines, and he goes down there. The Philistines are heathen. They're not God's people. He goes down there, and he saw a woman of Timnath. notice, of the daughters of the Philistines. So he sees a Philistine woman, and he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, notice just how rude this young man is to his parents. He says, now, therefore, get her for me to wife, and I want to ask, how about a please there? Uh, Samson and he's he's a very arrogant young man you know what I've noticed is usually people that are highly talented will also be very arrogant because here we know you know the story of Samson that God had given him uh, supernatural strength and that's one of the things that that he had but notice how he speaks to his parents and I hope and I'm not preaching about this this morning but I hope your children never speak to, to your parents this way where he's just commanding them and demanding from them. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. And, and by the way, his parents object. They don't want to do this. Notice verse 3. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of, the, of thy brethren, or among all my people? The Bible says to be, be not unequally yoked together, With unbelievers. And he wasn't supposed to go out and marry this Philistine uh, girl. Because she wasn't a follower of Jehovah God. And and they said, Isn't there a daughter of thy brethren? Or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father. And again, you see the rude arrogance. Get her for me. I hope no child ever speaks. I hope no teenager ever speaks. to, uh, Or or young adult. or, Or grown adult ever speaks. To their parents in this way, get her for me, for she pleases me well. In verse four, but his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So the children of Israel are living under the captivity of the Philistines. The the Philistines rule over them, dominate them. That's what the word dominion means. They are, uh, you know. Basically being ruled by the Philistines. And here you have Samson, who God is going to use to deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. Notice verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnah and came to the vineyards. Came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now, again, I'm not I'm not preaching on on the life of Samson. and one of these days, I'll preach a whole series on Samson. But but I want you to understand just what's going on here. T- uh, uh, Samson is is, is just uh, coming very close to sin, and we're going to see that eventually sin ends the life of Samson. And it destroys the life of Samson. But let me just show you a couple of verses just real quickly. Go to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter number 6. Numbers chapter number 6. You you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter number 6. And um, because if you remember the story of Samson... God had given him supernatural strength, but there was a vow that God had put upon Samson, and it's the vow of a Nazarite. Now, anyone could take on a Nazarite vow, and usually when people took on a Nazirite vow, it was for a short time. What was special about Samson is that he was given the Nazarite vow from before his birth, and it was a vow that he was supposed to keep for his entire life. That's what was unique about him. Notice there in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the 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 children of Israel and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, notice one of the requirements of taking on a Nazarite vow he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. And shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. Now, right there, you see that God is telling them, you're not supposed to drink alcohol. And by the way, Christians shouldn't be drinking alcohol. Amen. The Bible says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It's not, you know, they call it Bud Wiser, but it's not wise, the Bible says. Amen. It's stupid. It's idiotic. And here, but I want you to notice, the Nazarite vow, it was more than just separating yourself from alcohol. He wasn't allowed to to have any sort of grape at all. Notice the last part of verse number three. Nor eat moist grapes or dry. So not only is he not allowed to have the strong drink and the wine and the vinegar and and all of that, and the liquor grapes, but he's he's not supposed to eat moist grapes or dry. He's not supposed to have any type of great product with this Nazarite vow. Keep your finger there in Numbers chapter 6. We're going to come right back to it. But go, go back to our story in Judges chapter number 14. Judges chapter number 14. Notice verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnah and came to the vineyards. Now, Samson, why are you going down the vineyards where they grow grapes You're not supposed to to consume any grape. Dried grape, moist grape, any juice of grape, any liquor of grape, nothing you're supposed to consume. But you see Samson, even this early in his life, is just just trying to get as close to sin as possible, trying to just balance that line, and behold, a young lion roared against him. And you say, Pastor Jimenez, why are you going into the details of the story? Because you need to understand the details to get the context of what's happening in the next chapter. Look at verse 6. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him. The hymn there is referring to the lion. The word rent means he tore apart. This is a supernatural strength of Samson. The, the the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he literally took this lion and he tore the lion apart as he would have rent a kid. Now, the Bible here says, you know, that 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 he rent a lion as easily as he would have rent a kid, like a young goat or a lamb. Now, I don't know too many people that could just grab a goat and tear it apart with their bare hands. But that just shows you the strength of of Samson. And he, he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And by the way, let me say this while we're getting on for children. Whenever you're not telling the authority in your life what you're up to, that's probably a good indication that what you're doing is wrong. You know, he doesn't want to tell his mom and dad. I mean, if you tore a lion limb from limb, wouldn't you want to tell somebody? But see, in order to tell his parents that, he'd have to tell them that he was by the vineyard. And then they start asking questions, what are you doing by the vineyard, Samson? You're not supposed to be around any grapes, Samson. And listen to me. Whenever you've got something that you don't want to tell your mom, you don't want to tell your dad, you don't want to tell your husband, you don't want to tell your employer, you're probably doing something. That's a great indication that you're doing something wrong. Notice verse 7. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And after a time, he returned to take her. So some time has gone by between when he went down there to see her, tore the lion apart. And after a time, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hand and went on eating And came to his father and mother, and he gave them, and they did eat. Notice the phrase again. But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. Again, when you're hiding something, it's usually because what you're doing is wrong. And you say, well, what's wrong with what Samson is doing here? What's wrong with eating honey? We'll go back to Numbers chapter 6. Notice verse number uh, uh, verse number four. Now we saw in verses one through three. In verse one, we saw that he was separated. In verse three, we saw the emphasis on separation from alcohol. But then we're told that he's not to eat even moist grapes or dried. Notice verse four: All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree. That's another, again emphasizing that he's not supposed to eat anything, nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. So He's supposed to have no grape product at all. No. Welch is nothing, alright? Look at verse 5. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall... Now here's another another uh, characteristic of the Nazarite vow. No razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow now usually when people did this it was for a short time so their hair grew but they cut it afterwards but Samson had this for his whole life he was never supposed to cut his hair and we saw that Samson later on even uh, broke that vow of the Nazarite vow but notice another vow that he made as a Nazarite verse 6 all the days that he separated himself unto the Lord he shall come at no dead body he was not supposed to come near go back to Judges 14 a dead body a carcass and here he is pulling honey out of the carcass of the lion that he killed. So, of course, he's not going to tell mom and dad where he got the honey from. Why? Because, first of all, you're not supposed to be, you're not supposed to consume any great products, so what are you doing by the vineyard? Secondly, you're not supposed to come near to any dead body. What are you doing pulling honey out of the, uh, of the lion? And, and you'll note it, and of course, you know the famous story of Samson and Delilah, where he broke the final vow of cutting his hair, and the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. Go back to Judges 14, look at verse 10. So his father went down into the woman. And Samson made there a feast. For so used the young men to do. And it came to pass when they saw him that they now the word they there is referring to the Philistines, they brought thirty companions, thirty Philistines, to be with him. And here's the question I have, and again, I'm not preaching on Samson, I'm just trying, this is all introduction, but here's the question I have for you, Samson. Why is it that you got to go find 30 friends from the world, 30 Philistines to come be your friend, to come be your witnesses and come to your, to your wedding? You know, Samson had a spiritual problem here. He had, he had no good friends. In fact, he had, he had to, they had to bring in 30 Philistines to play the part of his friend. Look at verse 12. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth the riddle, Unto you Now, doesn't that seem innocent? He's like, hey, let let me give you a riddle. And notice what he says. If ye can certainly declare it me within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garment. Now, something you need to understand is during Bible times, people did not have clothes like you and I have clothes. Some of you, you open up your closet and if you wanted to, you could put on a different outfit for the next, you know, 30 days or 40 days. And you got so much clothes. I mean, we got clothes we don't wear. We got clothes we give away. We've got a lot of clothes in our day and age. In the Bible times, people had two, maybe three different changes of clothes. And when and, and, you know, it was a big thing to get a change of clothes. And here Samson is saying, hey, let's play a game. I'll give you a riddle. And if you can find it out, I'm going to give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garment because there's 30 of them, right? He's going to give them one change of garment each. Look at verse 13. But if ye cannot declare it me, then shall ye give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments because there's 30 of them, so they're each going to give him one. And and listen, the burden here is on Samson, right? I mean, if, if he wins and they lose, they, they got to give up one a change of clothes and one sheet each, 30 of them. But if he loses, he's got to give up 30. So he's playing this game, but he does put the burden on himself. Notice verse 13. And they said unto him, put forth the riddle, that we may hear it. And he said unto them, out of the eater came forth meat, and out of strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they, the Philistines, said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. So here you've got the Philistines threatening Samson's wife, threatening to kill her and her family if she doesn't give them the answer to the riddle. Do you see how things are escalating? Notice the last part of verse 15. Have ye called us to take that we have? Is it not so? Here's what he's saying. Did you just bring this Jew? Did you just bring this Samson? Did you just bring this Hebrew? Did you just give us, have this wedding and, 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 and give us this riddle just to take what we have? Verse 16. And Samson's wife wept before him and said, thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth the riddle unto the children of my people and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, behold, I have not told it uh, my father nor my mother. And shall I tell it thee? And she went before him the seven days while their feast lasted and it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore upon him and she told the riddle to the children of her people. So, they, so she gets the answer. She tells it to the Philistines because she doesn't want her family to die. Verse 18. And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, if ye had not plowed with my heifer He had not found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon. That's another territory, another city of the Philistines. Now notice, he lost, right? So he's supposed to bring them 30 changes of garment and 30 sheets. So what does Samson do? The Bible says, and slew 30 men of them. He goes and kills 30 Philistines. And took their spoil and gave the change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. So he, he lost the riddle he's supposed to bring. But instead of going and buying 30 sheets and having it cost him, he goes to another Philistine town, kills 30 Philistines, takes their clothes. I mean, I, you know, when I read that, I imagine Samson showing up, 30 changes of garment, 30 sheets, bloody, torn up, black eyes. I mean, he was strong, but he just killed 30 guys. I'm sure these guys put up a fight. I'm sure it was real obvious what he did, you know, when he's throwing these clothes on them. And then he leaves. The Bible says his anger was kindled and he went up to his father's house. He he went back home. He didn't even finish the the, the wedding. Uh, He didn't take the wife. He just left. Verse 20. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. And it's interesting. And again, I'm not preaching on Samson, but it's interesting that terminology that he used him as his friend. And he ended up, his wife was given to someone else. Now that leads us to chapter 15. Look at verse 1. But it came to pass within a while after. So some time has gone by. Samson has cooled down. In the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid. So he's coming home with a gift. He's trying to make things right. Wants to, you know, finish this thing. He wants to be married to her. And he you know, wants to make things right. He visited his wife with a kid, and he said, I will go into my wife, into the chamber. He's basically talking about consummating the marriage and finalizing it and being married with her. But, her father would not suffer him to go in. The word suffer means allow. Her father would not allow him to go in to see his wife. Why? Verse 2. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. He said, when you left here, you were so angry. When you left here, you were so mad. I thought you hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. He said, she's married already. She's, she was given somebody else. You can't come and be her husband anymore. And then he says "It is Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. Now, here's what I want you to understand. That's not the sermon. That's that. We're going to get into the sermon right now. But that's the context leading us into the story that I want you to notice. The story is this, Samson has been done wrong because of the fact that he, he, he comes for his wife, but his wife has been given to somebody else. But, you know, it's hard to really pin who was at fault here because it all started with a riddle. And you can say, well, that wasn't... That bad. I mean, he said, I would give you 30 and you give me one each. There's 30 of you. But you see how the story escalates and it escalated. And it ended up with 30 Philistines dying and a woman being given, a bride being given to another man. So now we jump into the story for this morning. I want you to notice that Samson chooses to retaliate. Look at verse 3. And Samson said concerning them, now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines? Here's what he's saying. I didn't do anything wrong. You know most people often think that they didn't do anything wrong? I mean, most people, when you have a conflict and you have an issue and you have an argument, and you have a battle that's going on, you, you think, well, I didn't do anything wrong. And the other group says, well, I didn't do anything wrong. And, and you think, well, they did this. And they think, well, they did this. And Samson could point fingers and say, well, why didn't you give my wife away? And they could say, well, why didn't you kill 30 Philistines? And he could say, well, why didn't you plow with my heifer? And they could say, well, why didn't you give us the riddle to begin with? And there's this is going back and forth, but everybody always thinks that they're not wrong. You know it takes two to tangle? Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though. Notice what he says. Though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands. Now, what's a firebrand? It's a piece of burning wood, or it's a wood that you're going to catch on fire. He took firebrands and turned tail to tail. So notice what he does. He catches 300 foxes. He catches them them by the tail and ties their tails together. Now, I'm sure these foxes are going crazy. And in the midst of the tail, look, notice what it says, verse 4, and put a firebrand in, in the midst between the tails. So catch the picture. You got 150 pairs of foxes, 300 foxes. They're tied up by the tail, and in the midst of the, of the knot there, you've got a, a, a piece of wood that's going to get caught on fire. Notice verse 5. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up those shocks and also the standing corn and the vineyards and the olives so here's what samson thinks he thinks you gave my wife away i'm blameless i haven't done anything wrong so i'm gonna do you a displeasure and he sends 300 foxes tied up by their tails with firebrands into the corn to destroy their corn so samson chooses to retaliate is he justified i don't know maybe so then that's where the story ends right Wrong. Look at verse 6. Then the Philistines. So Samson retaliates. So, what do the Philistines do? Well, they choose to retaliate also. Then the Philistines said, Who had done this? And they answered, Samson, the son in law of the Timnite. Now, in Samson, would say, well, I'm the son in law now. You gave her away. Because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. Now, here's what the Philistines are thinking. Oh, you, lo- you love her? Oh, you love her so much to burn up our entire standing corn and, and to burn up the shocks and also the, the vineyards of olives? I mean, you-, you-, you care about this girl that much? You're so upset that she was given away? You retaliated by burning up our corn, burning up our vineyards? Okay, well, you burned up something we liked. We're going to burn something you like. Notice last part of verse 6. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. And here's what the Philistines think. We're even now. Right? You did us a displeasure. You retaliated against us. We retaliate against you again. Is that where the story ends? Not really. Look at verse 9. I'm sorry, verse 7. And Samson said, and Samson said unto them, though ye have done this, Yet will I be avenged, and after that I will cease. And, notice verse 8, He smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Edom. So I want you to notice what's going on here. Samson chooses to retaliate. The Philistines choose to retaliate again. So what does Samson do? He chooses to, re, uh, to retaliate again. They retaliate also. He retaliates again. So what do the Philistines do? Look at verse 9. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. Notice verse 10. And the men of Judah said, Why are ye come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up to do to him as he had done also. And, of course, the story goes on that they try to capture him, they try to kill him. And here's what I want you to understand. You've got Samson thinks he was done wrong, so he retaliates. The Philistines think they were done wrong, so they retaliate also. Then Samson says, okay, well, you have done this. I'm going to do something to you. So they choose to retaliate again. The Philistines say, oh, you did that to us, so we're going to retaliate also. Keep your place there in Judges 15. Go to Romans chapter number 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 12. Do me a favor, when you get to Romans 12, put a ribbon or a bookmark or a bulletin there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it. Romans chapter number 12. Last week, we saw a story where I gave you a people skill. What was the people skill? Let each esteem other better than themselves. Say, what's the people skill for today, Pastor? Here's what I want you to say. When you're fighting a battle against a enemy that's holding your country captive under tribute under rule this story may be justified I don't know I mean I think it probably better just for something to just go get himself an army of Israelites and go fight the Lord's battle like David did but you know you might say well that what's the big deal here it's just going back and forth but here's the problem this is how some of your guys' marriages are this this describes some of your workplaces This describes some of your relationships with your neighbors, where it's tick for tack. You you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you, and then I'll be done. But then they say, no, wait a minute. You hurt me, so now I'm going to hurt you. And then you say, well, though you have done this thing. I'm going to do you a displeasure, and then you do something bad. And this is often how our relationships go, whether it's your parents, whether it's your children, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your friendship, whether it's your neighbors, whether it's other church members, whatever it might be. Oftentimes, the problem in our relationships is that we say, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you also. What's the people's goal for today? Here's people's goal number two. Are you there in Romans 12? Look at verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Here's what God says. God says, you can't live your life take for tack. You can't live your life, well, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you, and you hurt me again, so I'm going to hurt you again, and we're just going to keep going. God says, look, that may work, that may work with Samson and the Philistines, although I don't think it does, but here's the thing. In your personal life, you cannot have a marriage where you're just constantly recompensing evil for evil. You cannot have a friendship where you're constantly recompensing evil for evil. You cannot love your neighbor when you're constantly recompensing evil for evil. You cannot be a church member where you're constantly recompensing evil for evil. Because you cannot be a person in this world where you're constantly recompensing evil for evil. Why? Because you spend enough time around enough people, somebody's going to hurt you. And they might not even realize it. Or they might think it wasn't that big of a deal. They just put forth a riddle. And someone's going to hurt you, and someone's going to take a jab at you, and someone's going to say something, and you're going to think, well, I was blameless in this thing, so I'm going to fight back. The Bible says recompense to no man, evil for evil. Now, here's the problem with that. Not recompensing evil for evil is very difficult. You know why? Because it's not what our flesh wants to do. Our flesh wants to fight back. Our flesh wants to be justified. Our flesh wants to make things right. Our flesh, want, our flesh wants to make things right when it's us that's been wronged. You know, when we're the ones that have wronged others and we just kind of hope it just goes away. Our flesh, our flesh wants to fight back. But God says, God says this, recompense, recompense to no man evil for evil say, but, okay, I get that, but I don't want to do that. Okay, well, this morning, I want, I want to give you, all of that was introduction. This one, again, this is one of those sermons where the introduction is real long and the sermon's short. But I want to give you just three reasons. You say three reasons as to why you should not recompense evil for evil. And we find them in our story. Go back to Judges 15. Keep your place in Romans 12. We're going to come back to it. Go back to Judges 15. Judges chapter 15. Let me give you just real quickly three reasons why we should not recompense evil for evil. Here's reason number one. For those of you that like to take notes, I'd encourage you to take notes. Why should we not? Why, Pastor Jimenez, what's wrong with recompensing evil? For, I mean, when, when a coworker does me wrong, when a friend does me wrong, when a, uh, a neighbor, when my spouse, or when my uh, siblings, or when my uh, children, when, when, what's wrong with recompensing evil for evil? Why should I not do it? Here's point number one. Because we should end feuds, not propel them. See, as Christians, our job is to end a feud, not to pour gasoline on it, not to propel it and to keep it going. See, the problem with Samson's reasoning is found in verse number seven, Judges 15, verse seven. The Bible says this, and Samson said unto them, though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you. And then he says this, and after that, I will cease. But is that true? Is that what happened? No. You know why? Because Samson thought, okay, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. Then we'll be even. Then it'll be over. Then it'll be done. But that's, it's never done that way. When you've got two parties that say, well, no, now it's my turn. Well, no, now it's my turn. That feud will never end. And our job, Samson, our job as Christians is to end feuds, not propel them. Keep your place there in Judges 15. Go to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter five. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament. Do me a favor when you get to Matthew, put a, bu- uh, a ribbon or a bookmark or something there. You should have your place in Judges, Romans, and Matthew. We're going to leave Matthew and come right back to it. Matthew chapter five. Look at verse number thirty-eight. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. If you have a red letter edition Bible, these words should be in red. Matthew chapter five. These words came out of our Lord. Matthew five thirty-eight. Matthew five thirty-eight. Ye have heard that it hath been sad. Ye have heard that it hath been sad. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, before we go any further, let me say this. That quote comes from the Old Testament. People often look at it and say, see, Jesus said, you know, you're not supposed to do an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. But I want you to understand the context, because that's an Old Testament uh, verse that's being quoted. That's a law from the Levitical, uh, from, from, the, from, from the Mosaic law. You say, so what is Jesus teaching? Here's what you need to understand. What Jesus is teaching, it becomes real clear as you read the passage. He's not saying that it's wrong for an eye for, to be given for an eye or for a tooth to be given for a tooth. But he's saying it's wrong when you make it your personal agenda to go justify yourself and to go take an eye for the eye that was taken from you or to go take a tooth for the tooth that was taken from you. Because here's the thing, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is a law in the Old Testament that was given to the government. It is government. One of the reasons that God gave us a government was that government would then bring justice. When if someone attacked you and gouged your eye out, it is the job of government to make that right. It is the job of government to go and take that individual. Look, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it is the government that is bringing that justice. But never in Scripture does God tell us that we are to take the law into our own hands. That's why people don't understand because we'll preach like Leviticus 20.13 where it says that God put the death penalty on Sodomites. And what we're saying is that God in his perfect righteous government said if you're a sodomite, you should be put to death. And people are like, oh, so you want to go kill Son?" No, look, I'm not supposed to take the laws of God into my hands. I- God does not have, you know, vigilante justice. God is saying ye have heard that it has been said an eye for an eye and a tooth to- for a tooth. Notice verse 39. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. Here's what he's saying. When you choose to personally go take an eye and a tooth for every eye and tooth that was taken from you. Here's what he says. Notice this phrase. Ye resist not evil. What does that mean? What is Jesus saying? Here's what he's saying. You must resist evil. He says, look, when someone hurts you, the natural inclination is to want to hurt them back. But he says, what you need to do is resist evil, is not recompense evil, but what we like to do is retaliate. What we like to do is release evil. See, God says, Jesus said, you must, he he says, you must resist evil. We like to release evil. And notice what he says, look at verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall... Notice what he says. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, you smite him on the right cheek. Is that what he says? No, see, that would be taken an eye for an eye. Here's what he says. That whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek... Turn to him the other also. Don't retaliate. Don't recompense. Don't reverse it. Here's what he's saying. At some point, at some point, listen, in your marriages, and this is why some people end up getting divorced, because someone takes a smack, and then they return a smack. And then they take one, and they return one, and they take one, and they return that. And listen to me, the only way that marriage can work, the only way that friendship can work, the only way that church life can work, the only way that your business or your relationship can work, when someone is in conflict, when someone feels like they've been hurt, at some point there's got to be someone who says, I'll take the hit and not retaliate. That's the only way that it'll end. That's the only way that it'll stop. See, you might say, I'll smack them, and then it'll cease, but it won't because they'll say, well, it's my turn now. Well, now, now, now I'm going to, and then we'll be even. See, at some point, somebody has to take the hit and just say, we're done now. It's done now. You say, why should you not recompense evil for evil? Here's why. Because we should end enfuse, not propel them. And if you think, well, once I get my hit in, then I will cease, you are wrong, Samson. Amen. Because once you get your hit in, it'll be their turn. And once they get their hit in, it'll be your turn again. And as Christians, we must learn that it is our job. It is our job to end feuds, not propel them. It is our job to finish things, not to continue them. Look at verse 40. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. What's he saying? He says, just be done with it. Give them what they want and move on. You say, why should we recompense to no man evil for evil? Here's why. Because number one, we should end feuds and not propel them. But here's the second reason. Keep your place there in Matthew, in the book of Matthew. Go back to Judges 15. Judges chapter number 15. Why should we recompense to no man evil for evil? Well, because we should end feuds and not propel them. But number two, it's very interesting what you the phrases you find in verses ten and eleven? I would say that verses ten and eleven are the climax of this story. Notice what it says, Judges fifteen and verse ten. And the men of Judah said, "Why are you come up against us?" So the men of Judah, you know, they look how the Philistines are all out there ready to fight them, and they said, "What what happened? Why are you come up against us?" Now notice, and they answered to and Samson. Are we come up? And notice what they said. You got to underline this in your Bible. To do to him as he hath done to us. See, they want justice. They said, he hurt us, so we're here to hurt him. He retaliated against us, so we are going to retaliate against him. And they said, they said, to do to him as he hath done to us. It's just justice. Look at verse 11. Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Edom and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? What is it that thou hast done unto us? And he, now look, you had to underline this in your Bible. And he, that's Samson, said unto them. Notice what he says. As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Isn't that interesting? The Philistines said, well, we're just doing to him, to do to him as he hath done to us. And Samson says, well, I'm just doing to them as they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Go to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7. You say, why should we not recompense evil for evil? Here's why. Because we should end feuds, not propel them. But here's another reason why we should not recompense evil for evil. We should not recompense evil for evil because we should not treat people the way they treat us. You say, isn't that the golden rule? No, no that's putting the golden rule on a ten. What they were not following was the golden rule. Because here's what the Philistines are saying. We're here to do to him as he hath done to us. And the same is saying... As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. Here's what they're saying. I'm I'm treating them the way they treated me. But listen to me. We should not treat people the way they treat us. No, no, no. The Bible does not teach that. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 12. We should not treat people the way that they treat us. Isn't that easy? When someone's good to you, you're good to them. When someone's kind to you, you're kind to them. And by the way, if we treat people the way they treat us, then when they do wrong to me, I'll do wrong to them. When they offend me, I'll offend them. When they criticize me, I'll criticize them. When they accuse me, I'll accuse them. When they insult me, I'll insult them. But notice what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Therefore, all things, this is Jesus speaking, therefore, all things whatsoever, don't miss this, ye would that men should do to you. Do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. See, the golden rule does not teach to treat people the way they treat you. The golden rule teaches that we should treat people the way we would like them to treat us. Amen. See, the Philistines say, "We're just here to do to him what he has done to us." And Temple says, "Well, I just did to them what they have done to me, but nobody says this. I'm going to treat you, not the way you treat me, but the way I'd like you to treat me. I'm going to treat you. Not, I'm, not, I'm going to talk to you, not in the way you talk to me, but in the way I would like you to talk to me. See, Jesus said, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. You say, why do we not recompense evil for evil? Why don't we live our lives just tick for time? Why don't we just fight and slap back when we get slapped? Here's why. Because we should enfuse and not propel them. But number two, because we should not treat people the way they treat us. No, no, no. It's better than that. We should treat people the way we would like for them to treat us. We should treat people the way we would like to be treated. There's a third reason. Go to Judges 15. Look at verse 7. Judges 15, verse 7. It's interesting because they said, To do to him as he hath done to us, and he says, As they did unto me, so have I done unto them. And Jesus says that ye would do, that ye would, that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Here's reason number three. Look look at Judges 15, verse 7 again. Why, Why should we not recompense evil for evil? Why should we not fight back and slap back and, fight and, 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 and argue again when people hurt us because we should infuse and not propel them? Because we should not treat people the way they treat us, but we should treat them the way that we'd like to be treated? But number three, here's why. Because we should allow God to avenge us, not ourselves. Because we should allow God to avenge us, not ourselves. Judges 15 and verse 7, notice what Samson said. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, notice what he says, Yet will I be avenged of you. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? You did me wrong like the Apostle Paul and the Lord recompense thee. No, he doesn't say that. He says, you did me wrong and I'm going to recompense myself. Yet will I be avenged of you. Go to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter 12. Look at verse number 18. We saw the verse we've been quoting recompense to no man evil for evil. But notice verse 18. If it be possible, as much as life, then you live peaceably with all men. If it be possible, not lot, sometimes it's not possible. And please understand me, I'm not, I'm not advocating a pacifist approach to the Christian life. There are battles we must fight. We must earnestly contend for the faith. But let's make sure we don't, we don't cross the line between earnestly contending for the faith to earnestly contending for my ego. Let's make sure we don't confuse earnestly fighting the Lord's battles with earnestly fighting my own battles. I'm not saying we sit back and never fight and never do anything, but listen to me, when someone has personally attacked you, you don't take knife for an eye. You don't live your life in a way where you're just recompensing evil, for evil, for evil, for evil. Romans 12:18, "If it be possible as much as life then you live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved. Notice, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. Sometimes people make you angry and upset. You gotta take that wrath and put it somewhere. You gotta t- you gotta give place unto wrath. Why? For it is written, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," saith the Lord. Therefore, and notice this: for it is written, "Vengeance is mine; I will repay," saith the Lord. Then in verse twenty says, "Therefore," the word "therefore" means. For that reason. For for what reason? For for the reason that the Lord said vengeance is mine, I will repay. He says, because of that. He says, therefore, if for that reason, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. I say, well, wait a minute. Those, those people hurt me. Those people attacked me. Those people have done evil to me. And here's what God says. If you really believe that God will recompense you, will revenge and avenge you, will justify... If you really believe that there's a God in heaven, if you really believe that there's a scoreboard in heaven that always reads right, if you really believe that the just God will justify you if you've been done wrong, then you should have no problem. Then you should have no problem with feeding your enemy when he's hungry Amen. and giving him water when he's thirsty and loving That's why Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you. Why? Why? Because if there really is a God, if there really is a God that will avenge me when I'm innocently attacked, then I don't have to worry about it. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. I was memorizing a verse in the book of Psalms. And it's about, the, the verses about our lives on this earth and how short they are and, and, and the, the spread of our life. But there's a very interesting phrase in the verse where it says, Verily, every man at his his best state is altogether vanity. The Bible says that you and me at our best state. I mean, when we are the most right with God, when we are the most spiritual, when we are the most on fire, when we are the most just close to the Lord, God says, verily, and uh, He says, Verily, every man at his best state. At his best state, eh, is altogether vanity. Va- what's vanity? Vain about me? See, here's what I know. Here's what I know, and here's what you know. We're not as innocent as we think. All right. Sometimes people hurt us, and we think, I didn't do anything wrong. But if, if, you were, if you were true, if you were honest to yourself, you, Samson, you might look back and think, maybe I shouldn't have killed those 30 Philistines. May, maybe I, I shouldn't have... Giving them that riddle. I mean, what what was I trying to accomplish with that riddle? Embarrass them? Say, well, was it justified that they killed his wife? No, here's all I'm saying. Here's all I'm saying. At the end of the day, none of us is really blameless. At the end of the day, none of us is really without guilt. In this situation, I might be innocent, but there's been lots of situations where it was me. Where i had done wrong. I used to have a pastor to say this. I would love it. You'd ask him, how you doing? And you'd say, better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. You know, that's true. You know, if I got what I deserve, I'd be burning in hell right now. And you know, if you got what you deserved, you'd be burning in hell right now. And any day that I don't spend in hell, I'm doing better than I deserve. Say, so, well, somebody hurt you. I'm, you know what? I'm doing much better than I deserve. Well, they, they criticize. Well, I'm doing real well right now. And and, and if I'm innocent, then God will deal with it and if I'm innocent, then God will protect it. Listen to me, some of you will have marriages that end if you don't learn this principle. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Some of you will have friendships that will not last if you don't learn this principle. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Some of you will leave this church upset at somebody, upset at me if you don't learn. If I don't learn this principle, Recompense to no man evil. For evil. Notice verse 21. Be ye not overcome of evil. Be ye not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You will either be overcome of evil or you will overcome evil. You you will either live your life like Jesus said. Trying to take an eye for every eye and a tooth for every tooth, or you will learn to resist evil. You will learn to overcome evil. Let's end with one verse: Proverbs chapter twenty. Proverbs chapter twenty. Keep, keep. Open your Bible right in the center. You're more like from Book Psalms. The next book over is Proverbs. Proverbs chapter twenty. Proverbs chapter twenty. Please, please don't misunderstand my sermon. I'm not, I'm not telling you I'm up here and I'm, all, I'm just always right. No, 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 no. I'm telling you the opposite. Sometimes I take jabs when I shouldn't. Sometimes I take the first punch, even unknowingly. And you do too. And if we would realize that, if we would realize when we think, when we think, I'm blameless, I didn't do anything wrong, why is this happening? If we really thought about it, we would say, you know what, sometimes it's me who puts that riddle, who started this thing. And it got a little out of control. And it and it got a little hot. But we, we can't keep going like this. You want to learn how to have people skills? You want to learn how to how to have good relationships? Well, let each esteem other better than himself, for first his first But then also learn to recompense to no man evil for evil. Because otherwise, you're going to live your life just constantly needing to justify and get revenge and avenge. And they did this and they said that and now it's my turn. And no Christian can live their life that way. You say, why don't we recompense evil for evil? Because it is our job to end feuds, not propel them. Because it is our job to not treat people the way they treat us, but to treat them the way we'd like for them to treat us. Because we should allow God to avenge us and not take vengeance upon ourselves. Proverbs 20, verse 22. We'll end right here. Proverbs 20, verse 22. It's the verse that's in the bulletin. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. I like the quote in the bulletin this morning. It says, without forgiveness, life is governed by an endless cycle of resentment and retaliation. Recompense to no man, evil for evil. Let's bow our heads and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for these examples and examples that you've given to us in Scripture. Lord, help us to remember that none of us are blameless. We may look at a situation and say, Well, I didn't do anything wrong. But the truth of the matter is, I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And every day that we're not burning in hell, we're just doing better than we deserve. And the Lord Jesus Christ took on a lot, being innocent. Help us to learn to live like him. Lord, help us not to live our lives like Samson and the Philistines, always needing to justify ourselves, always needing to avenge ourselves, realizing that there are times to earnestly contend for the faith. We understand that. But, Lord, help us to learn to not recompense evil for evil every time a personal attack comes, a slander comes, someone hurts us, someone backstabs us. Father, I I believe you could heal marriages. I believe you could heal church relationships. I believe you could heal friendships. I, I believe we could develop our skills amongst each other so well that we could learn this principle. We thank you for salvation. In the matchless name of Christ we pray. Amen.